0: to the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom.
1: Well, welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. Danny, how are you today?
0: Ben, I am good. I am... uh finishing up some sermon stuff today because you know it's Thursday and if I don't have it ready to go really today I start stressing tomorrow and Saturday not to say I don't sometimes you know run to the or what limp to the finish line but Yes, that's how I'm feeling today. How about you? What's going doing on?
1: well. We just wrapped up a preaching schedule at church where our staff had taken about six weeks where we kind of had a break between things in our midweek. And uh, we did tag team preaching for the last few weeks where three of us would share parts of a sermon. It was really a fun experience. We may talk about that some
0: more. Um, did you do the like... Hacksaw Jim Duggan, you know, when you were ready to tag off, or the luchadors, <laughs> did you have a mask? Because that would be kind of um, cool. I'd love to see that uh, concept. Uh, we team. just
1: prayed, and then the next person came. I mean, That's it's right. a little more oh, simplistic,
0: you know. <laughs> right in the middle of your sermon, the lights would go down, and the music, and, you know, the next pastor would come out, like the villain pastor. Uh, and, uh, roughly so.
1: that, but mostly we just yeah. prayed, and then the next person came yeah. and, and preached. But we took, yeah. actually, like, the Sunday school curriculum that we have been doing, because our, our, our Sunday school hadn't been meeting because of covid right now and so we took those lessons and we divided it up and just took that which was a really a fun experience but we're going to talk about preaching a little bit today we've got a special guest with us friend of mine mark livingston who's here and he is a preaching expert extraordinaire and going to fill us in and give us all the expertise advice today mark thanks for joining us
2: well thank you guys for having me it's an honor to be on your program
1: Well, Mark, here's what, we've been friends for a long time, and I know, well, there's some things about you that, you know, as far as your public persona, um, I don't even know if your church knows about some of these things. When Danny was mentioning earlier when he met you first because you were also an Elvis impersonator I don't know if you still do that anymore or not
2: yeah you know I did that for a long time I won money doing that a lot of people don't know that but I funded a lot of things doing that and uh, now that I am past the age of Elvis after he died you know I've I've gone past the age he ever lived to I just decided it was time to quit so, you know when you're when you're older than the real elvish it's like it's time to stop doing that you
1: know. <laughs> that's right it's all just pretend at that point you have no idea what he's gonna do with that right age. right yeah so, I seem
0: to have memories of a UFO themed college gathering yes, of some type yes. and elvis making an appearance and I think that's the first time I met you uh, there uh
2: at I'm the UFO, so folks, I'm so. so thankful that I could bless your life with that <laughs> image. It's <laughs> never been the same. It changed. Yeah. There yeah. was smoke and there was
1: lights, yeah. not too much unlike the average Sunday. That's morning, right. Yeah. right. That's right. right.
2: Exactly. That's right. Well, you know my line is: I was young, I needed the money, so <laughs> I'm sorry. That's exactly I right. You bet. I, mean, I hope you love me in the morning. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, great, love. Mark. You're now pastor at Broadway Church in South Haven, Mississippi. Right? You've
2: been there right. just recently. Moved yeah. there, yeah. Broadway Baptist Church. So I came home. Uh, The Memphis, Tennessee area is where we're at We're we're really like I'm five minutes from the Tennessee state line and uh, just a few minutes from the Memphis International Airport. So it is Mississippi, but a lot of people don't realize this about Memphis. It's a tri-state city, Arkansas, West Memphis, South Haven in Mississippi. And then you have uh, Memphis proper. So this is where I was born and raised, grew up, and I've returned to a church. And a ministry that uh, affected me when I was young had a big impact on my life. And uh, one of the first uh, ministry jobs I had out of seminary was teaching at the Christian school that they have here at the church. And so uh, the Lord led us back, Broadway Baptist Church here in South Haven. And uh, it's been great coming home. And it's been a huge adjustment and a huge challenge. But we're glad to be back. Yeah, I can't even imagine trying to make that adjustment in the midst of COVID. Oh, yeah, it's it's been awful uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, you still don't know the church. You know, a lot of people have not come back, and so it's like this perpetual, um, just brand-new deer-in-the-headlight phase. So it's been my goal to try to get to know as many people as I possibly can. So one of the, one of the things I've done since coming here— Uh, back in August is literally I meet with a different person every day for lunch or coffee. Now, I don't do both, but pretty much every day uh, I'm meeting with somebody just to get to know people in the church body. So just a lot of personal connection so that I can learn them and I can learn the church. You know, another thing, I kind of know the history of this church because I'm from here and I'm from this area. So that really helped. So my situation is a little unique, but. you know, you got to do what you can when you don't know them. And when COVID is restricting a lot of things, you've just got to try to reach out and try to get to know them so that you can do a better job preaching to them. That's true.
1: Yeah, it's all about preaching to the people. Now, I know for me as a chair two person who's not the primary preacher, there's a difference in how you even prep. Because there's a lot of weeks. It's, I find out Wednesday afternoon, OK, you're preaching Sunday night. I've not preached in several weeks. I've not preached in um, maybe a month or two or more. I've, I've taught classes and stuff, but it's different in preparation than, than preaching and being a, a the public platform preaching. And I, for me, that panic always sets in. What am I going to preach? Cause I'm not in the middle of a series. I'm not, you know, knowing what's coming next. It hasn't been a while that, that panic. What would you say are some things that you would tell the two person who doesn't get to preach all the time? Hey, here's a way to stay ready.
2: Okay, well, I have a. Re- I think I have a good answer, and it's a preacher answer. Okay, you ready for this? It's alliterated. It's three points, and they all start with a P. So, does that sound good to you guys, Danny? I mean, again, If
0: you end with a poem, I will start singing. Uh, well, so.
2: I don't have a poem, but <sighs> okay. Now, I, you know, seriously though, th- this is what I've told seminary students who are in the second chair, because for years I've taught at a seminary and uh, just dealt with young pastoral guys pastoral candidates and i've always said look focus on three things because you're not getting the opportunity to preach every week so i'm going to just give you these three and then i'd love for us to just break them down together so number one i tell them you know you need to continually be in progress so you know, here's the truth. You're not going to preach great your first time. You're not going to do everything right your first few times preaching, and you just need to go ahead and understand you get better the more you do it and the longer you do it. So a lot of young guys, you know, they think they're going to come right out of the gate preaching like Matt Chandler or Adrian Rogers, you know, whatever your generation is, Um, and then they beat themselves up on Monday morning when it doesn't go that way. One verse that comes to my mind in particular, which is huge, uh, is 1 Timothy 4 verse uh, 16. It says, practice these, sorry, verse 15, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Now, when Paul tells Timothy to practice and to immerse and to allow other people to see progress, remember the context of that. The context is, going back to verse 11 of 1 Timothy 4, command and teach. So command and teach and be an example in speech and conduct in life until you until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And then he says in verse 15, practice, immerse, progress. So here's the reality. The first thing you've got to understand if you're not doing this every week, if you're the second chair guy and you know you're only going to get a few opportunities, you're going to get better. Uh, the scripture exhorts you to try to get better, to try to progress. So do the best job you can at first. The longer you do it, the better your theology will get, right? Because you're going to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as you teach and as you learn and study. You're going to become more comfortable doing it the more opportunities you have. So just be, be thinking, I'm going to get better. I'm going to progress, I'm not going to do everything right the first couple of times that I do it, and that's okay. You know, God will be gracious with me. And I pray that he uses it. And if he can use a donkey to speak to Balaam, he can use me. So, yeah. you know, if one of your
1: first sermons becomes an Internet, you know, sensation or something, it's probably not going to be for a good reason.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's that's a bad thing. So that's right. So just do do the best and just understand as a second chair guy, you know, you are in the process of learning and growing And there's nothing to be ashamed of about that. Everybody has to start somewhere. Now, I do tell some of my students who need a little extra help in preaching, I'll say, you know, why don't you consider going down to a nursing home? And like on a Sunday afternoon, preach to them. And I'm not being rude when I say this, but most of them will be happy with whatever you say. Some of them will not even be awake for what you say. <laughs> and so you can you can honestly be the worst preacher and progress there. So, you know, if you're a second chair guy that you just don't get a lot of pulpit opportunities, well, one way you could correct that to try to progress, think of areas that you could go to to preach. You yeah. know, so, so like I was a youth pastor in Memphis years ago, uh, almost 20 years ago now, and I didn't get the opportunity to preach much from the pulpit because uh, we had a great senior pastor, and uh, but one of the things I did is I took my teenagers down to a rescue mission one Friday night a month, and every month they would let me preach at the rescue mission. So I got a lot of experience standing behind that pulpit. I also used it to minister to my teenagers, give them an opportunity to serve a meal to some homeless guys and see what life is like beyond the suburbs. And, you know, at the same time, I'm progressing. I'm thinking through how do I preach to this audience that's so different from me and so different from the church that I serve at currently. I mean, these are guys that live on the street in downtown Memphis. So, you know, think think through, what can I do? I've heard other guys tell me I've gone to the fire station and offered to preach to guys on Sunday morning down there. Um, one guy I knew went to a horse track, like where they do horse racing, and he became a chaplain to the jockeys. I didn't even know they had that, but <laughs> he became he preached to the jockeys and he did that for like a year. So there's there's avenues where you can get the opportunity to progress, even if it's not in your local church pulpit. Now, one other thing, and I'll be quiet here, and and we can talk about progress, and then we'll move on to the other two Ps. But, you know, a a lot of guys that I've encountered, what I just mentioned to you is beneath them. So if they don't get a pulpit of prestige, there's two more P words for you, right? Pulpit of prestige. If they don't get a pulpit of prestige, then they don't want to do the nursing home or the fire station or the rescue mission or the horse track because that's just not that's not good enough and man i can't tell you how many guys even in my local church where i've pastored before men would come up and say man i think i'm called to the ministry i just i just want the opportunity to preach and what they're telling me is i'd love to have your pulpit and uh, they want the platform and i'll say yeah listen." We have a we have a ministry every Sunday at four at uh, at at Gracewood, the the nursing home. And if you want to take my spot, man, I'd love for you to take that any Sunday at four o'clock. And you know, it's like you turn on the light to a cockroach. They just scatter. You know, they're not gonna do that. And so, you know, my attitude is, well, if you're not gonna do that, you probably don't want a pulpit. So um, you know, just consider how can I progress? What can I do to get better? You can always go to school. School is good. You can go to seminary. Those are ways to progress. But just think, what can I do practically when I'm in the second chair? So I don't know. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that.
1: I think that's true. I, I think that's one of the things I've found at second chair. I don't get all those opportunities, but the more I've gotten to the more comfortable doing it, I am also the more I'm able to fine tune it and kind of even develop my own voice, um, in it. And I think that may be a challenge with those chair two leaders because there's so, there may be times between the opportunities, especially if you're in full-time ministry, you're doing other things, but you're not speaking like that regularly developing your own voice and there's times I'm afraid I start sounding like the people I listen to and I think that's a challenge yeah, yeah I and know for you that's ben. Jack
2: Hagee right <laughs> something so like that's that. weird who's that yeah I said for Ben that's Jack Hagee right that's right that's right, right. I'm trying to break like him, him, him that, so that's you know, really weird and-
0: yeah. yeah, I'm trying to break and, you. That's why we're doing this podcast, giving you something good to listen to. And Danny, so. for you,
2: it's Joel Osteen. So that's Well, really
0: you know, I, every day's Friday for me. And so I do yeah. the best I can I hear you. Uh, to make that work out. And uh, when I was in Memphis, I went to seminary there. Uh, my wife and I, no kids yet. And we would go to some of these nursing homes because I wasn't on staff at a church anywhere. I was an intern at a church, but uh, there was no preaching opportunity there. And we actually ended up going to a nursing home that was affiliated with a different denomination than anything that was Baptist at all. And, uh, you know, at the end of the the sermon, one of the ladies said, well, you know what, you might just make a good, and uh, this whatever denomination was, you might make a good one after all, you know, if you keep preaching like that. So, but it was encouraging. We loved it. You know, Talissa, my wife, she plays the piano and sings. And so she kind of you know, we we'll just sit down if they had a piano and play a song and, uh, you know, it was just encouraging. And you realize, and, and now and I think I get to a point now where, uh, you know, how you want that platform, like you said, and, uh, you know, that's what some guys want. You realize there's a sweetness to preaching when you are really among your people or among the people. And it just, it brings a depth to it that people can tell and that people can see. And I think that is incredibly helpful for a second chair to go, you know, you're you're not trying to impress, even though our human nature says, Okay, I, I've got one shot at this and if my senior pastor likes it enough, maybe he'll let me preach more or maybe the people will think I'm a real pastor after all, if I can get out there and preach a good sermon when, you know, if if you're just able to have the depth of that relationship with the Lord in the sense that you're walking with him, but You've been listening to people and encouraging people. It just adds uh, that progress really begins to take shape.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let me move on to the the second P. Hasten on. Hastening on. Yeah, uh, let me just say that the next thing I would encourage second chair guys to do who don't get the opportunity to preach every week is have a persistent plan. Okay, have a plan. And he, I'm going to explain it like this when I was in the second chair years ago, you know, like almost every other guy, I didn't get to preach every week. I mean, there was just not the opportunity for that. I served under a great senior pastor who loved me like a son and a brother, and so he gave me opportunities to preach. A lot of times they were like Sunday night or maybe a week when he was out of town, and that's normal. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less. The church— Uh, or anything more, excuse me, the church called him to be the main teaching pastor, and I don't need to envy that. I don't need to want that. If that's what I want, and I feel like that's my calling to be the main one to teach the Word, then I need to go find a church where I can do that. But what you want to do, though, is kind of have a plan when they do ask you to preach. And so here's, here's the plan I came up with. I decided, okay, I never know when the opportunity is going to present itself. It could be very thought out. He could tell me a month in advance, or it could be been like you're talking about. You get the call on Wednesday night. Okay, I'm going to need you to preach. Well, here's what I would do to tackle that either way. I would pick a book of the Bible. I would pick a short one, so maybe like Colossians. Let me add one more caveat to that. I'd pick a fairly easy book of the Bible. Now, I know the Bible is deep. None of it is easy, okay? Um, but I, I don't think I would pick, like, Hebrews or Leviticus. Um, that's just probably a good idea, common sense. I think I might pick something like, you know, Philippians or Colossians or, uh, you know, I don't know, help me out, First John. Something out of the
1: gospel, or yeah. the gospels even.
2: Here's the key, I think, to that. Um, I would make it short enough of an epistle or a letter that I can easily read it in one sitting, and I can, you know, divide it out and say, okay, this is what the, the letter or the book means. Uh, this is the overarching theme of that book. And then here's how the different sermons out of that book would look. And then what I would do is every time I got asked to preach, I would go ahead and, and build some sermons in the interim period when I'm not preaching. So, for example— I might pick 1 John, and I might say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and put together five sermons from 1 John. So, if I'm trying to figure out what 1 John is about, well, I go to 1 John 5.13. You know, these things are written so that you may know that you have eternal life. So, 1 John essentially, uh, while it's about many other things, fellowship and loving brothers and all that, I think the overarching theme is assurance of salvation— you know, John wrote those things to believers in Asia so that they would know that they're truly believers. So if I'm equipped with that knowledge of the overarching theme of the book, then I can say, all right, I'm going to have five sermons on assurance. And maybe assurance number one sermon would be from chapter one. You know, how do I know I'm a Christian? Because I'm walking in the light as he is in the light. Assurance number two, how do I know I'm really a believer? I can be assured I'm a believer because I'm loving my brother, you know, assurance number three, you know, and you just go on and on from there. And so what I would do is I would go ahead and build your sermons now, write them out, uh, think them through. And then anytime you're asked to preach, whether it's on the fly or whether it's planned out, stay with your outline and stay with your book. So, um, when I was under uh, Mike, Ben, who serves with you now, when he was my senior pastor, I picked the book of Colossians. And that book is ultimately about the supremacy of Christ. So I did about five sermons in Colossians, and that took me a couple of months to put all this together. But, but I knew Mike's going to call on me to preach when he goes on vacation this summer. I mean, I can pretty much count on that. And, you know, there may be some other Sunday nights when he wants me to preach. So I'm just going to be ready. So, I went ahead and just got three or four or five sermons out of Colossians. And it didn't matter how long in between when he asked me, I just went, I just picked right back up. So, it was like I was preaching through a book of the Bible. It was like that I had a series, but I was just kind of, you know, doing the series as opportunity afforded. Now, nobody really noticed that. So like the audience isn't going to say, oh yeah, six months ago you preached on Colossians 1, and now you're in Colossians 2. Well, they're not going to do that, and I don't expect them to. You know, I don't remember what I did last week, you know, so um, they're not going to remember those kind of things. So it's not really about that, and I'm not worried about that. I'm not going to say, yeah, but if I do that, you know, they won't remember the first sermon from the second sermon. Well, that's not really the point. I mean, the point is, you're going to be faithful to God's Word every time you preach it. Number two, you're building a sermon library. So if you ever do take a pastorate, guess what? You have a series potentially ready to be worked on and ready to go. And number three, I mean, you're trying to be, be progressing in your work. So you want to have a plan to do that. And, you know, if you just study one book and you make that your book, then you're better prepared any point when you're asked to preach. Because you have a book, you've done study, get you some commentaries on that book, and just pour yourself into that. And then anytime you're asked to preach anywhere, say, okay, I'm going to pre- preach Colossians 2 or 3 or or whatever the situation would demand, you know. Um, and so that's just an idea. It's not going to work perfectly in every situation, but if you have a plan, I think you're, you're going to do much, uh, you know, you're going to do better than if you didn't have a plan.
1: Yeah. I think I've heard some people say the the reason you're not getting preachers, maybe you don't have anything ready to preach. Uh, it's amazing though. When you have prepped and done some study, God provides opportunity for you to deliver it it may not be where you think it may be somewhere else that he'll use that and can you know when you've got a plan and you're already planning you don't have to have a date set that hey i'm preaching this before you prepare
2: it
0: yeah and i like the idea that it reminds us that uh, you know as you're preaching through maybe that book so you take that sermon out of first john 1 and Five months later, First John two, whatever you do, and you know, reminding that hey, when God gives you opportunity, number one, the center of what you're doing is the Word. Um, it's not your time to shine. It's not your time to to, to make a name, uh, so to speak, for yourself. But then also, like you said, if God allows you to step into a role of preaching and teaching one day, it's reminding you that hey, at the core of what we do is uh, we are we're helping people feed on the Word, both in my own life, but helping others do that through the preaching. And so maybe take some of the, uh, some of the natural performance uh, thoughts about preaching into that, hey, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, It is a steady nurturing and cultivating of the word in your heart and in the hearts of the people that are listening.
2: Yeah. You know, and one thing I'd urge young guys to do if they follow that little model of planning, I would not tell them okay, now the next time you preach, after you've preached Colossians 1, you know, and a long time has passed between your first time preaching and your second when you get to Colossians 2 or whatever your text is, you know, I would not tell them to get up and say, now remember last time when I preached this, because nobody's going to remember. You know, it bugs the stew out of me when pastors even say that about the prior week. Because it assumes a lot. I mean, we think people are hanging on our every word and they're not. Uh, they're, they're daydreaming about where they're going to go eat. Um, you know, and you can say, well, that's not spiritual. Um, it's not, but I mean, we're all sinners. And uh, so, you know, say by Writing grace. down their
1: grocery list so and saying, right, you yeah. know,
2: and they're thinking about, I hope my kid's not wiggling in the pew. So, you know, it, it humbles a pastor to know God uses his word and he uses the preacher in spite of the preacher, and in spite of the people on the pew. He still gets his word across, and he still does a work. So just chill out. You don't have to explain everything. Remember, that the the purpose of this plan is not so that they'll remember your first sermon four months ago, or even remember your series. It's just to give you the opportunity to preach a, a decent expository sermon, because look, we also know it takes a lot of study time, to put together a good sermon. It just does. And one of the things this plan is going to do, if nothing else, is cut down some of the study time that you're going to have to do in between sermons because you're focusing on one book. And so, you know, you've got the commentary already. You've already read the introduction. What is this book about? You know, you know who wrote it. You know who he wrote it to. All that stuff. I mean, that that's just time consuming stuff. So if you can kind of get that out of the way, you've done a lot of work already. The next time they ask you to preach, and and one just one other thought. I mean, we all know fifty percent of preaching, believe it or not, is deciding what to preach. <laughs> you know, deciding the text. It just is. It always has been. I mean, reminds you know,
1: me of the old G. O, G. I. Joe theme. What was it? Knowing is half the battle. The battle. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it is.
2: absolutely. It is because. You you come to a place where you're not going through a book of the Bible, or you don't have a clear series. You know, just have an off week where you're like, okay, I'm in between books, or I'm in between series, and I don't know what to do next week. What am I going to do? And you'll spend half of your week, I guarantee you, debating what you should do, and it will just plague you. So you can get rid of that, that stress uh, that will come on you Saturday night before you have to preach. If you know ahead of time, well, I'm just going to stay in Colossians. So I know where I'm at. I know what I've been studying. I'm more confident. I feel secure in this. This is where I'm going to be. Cool, cool.
1: So we, we've talked about we need to have a, know we're going to progress. We're not going to be, you know, Andy, uh, an Andy Stanley quality of presentation or, a you know, Adrian Rogers presentation the first time we're up there. Uh, we need to have a persistent plan. What's your third P?
2: So my third P is go to your pastor and develop a relationship with your pastor and learn from your pastor. So what I also find to be a staggering, um, I can't prove this yet by data. I don't have Tom Rayner data to back this up. Uh, or um, what's the other guy? Um, uh, Ed, Ed Stetzer. Stetzer. I don't have Stetzer Rainer data to back this up, but I've done enough anecdotal um, talking to young men in seminary, and I'm surprised by the staggering number of, of second chair guys who do not have good relationships with their senior pastor. Uh, it, it, sadly, it's, it's more the case than the opposite, which is a good relationship with your senior pastor. So again, when I was a youth pastor in Memphis 20-something years ago, I had a really good relationship with the senior pastor. He took me on visits with him. I ate at his house almost every other night with his family. I kind of became like one of their kids. But he also really poured into me. So he would give me commentaries and he would say, hey, man, why don't you why don't you look at my Warren Wearsby commentary? He loved Warren Wearsby. Nothing wrong with Warren Wearsby. He still does. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be like, man, you can't get any better than Warren Wearsby. And so he'd he'd throw Warren Wearsby at me. And uh, if if I needed a commentary like back then, I didn't have a lot of books. I mean, I was a seminary student, young Uh, poor, and I didn't have a huge library of commentaries. Well, he had all the John MacArthur commentaries. So he would say, hey, why don't you borrow uh, this John MacArthur commentary? And I didn't really know much about John MacArthur, so I'd borrow the commentary over the book of the Bible, and he was just super helpful when I had to preach. And I think that's the point that I'm trying to make. You know, if you don't have a good relationship with your pastor, pray about that, and maybe pray about just talking to the pastor. I, I do know some guys have told me, my pastor doesn't want a relationship. He's more of a CEO, and I'm more of the lower tier, and if that's the case, I'm very sorry that's the case. That is not how I do church. You know, I have a staff of of, of four guys uh, and three women technically under me, and that's not how we would we would do it here uh, because we want relationships and we want to pour I want to pour into them and I want to shepherd them and love them and then allow them to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So, you know, that should not be seen as norm, but it sadly I think for a lot of people it is. But you know, one thing you could do is go to your pastor and see if you could broach that and just say, Hey, could I have lunch with you? Even if it's just one lunch, tell me about preaching give me some thoughts. But if you develop that relationship with your pastor and he helps you, you know, I I might believe that if he comes to trust you a little bit and know that that's your desire, he may help you. So he may say, hey, I'm going to let you preach. Or, you know, why don't we let you have Wednesday nights in the summer or something of that nature? Yeah, I think that's a,
1: a good point that you can you can borrow their resources in your sermon prep. You're talking about just the books, but you, you can use their your their library, those kind of resources, but go to them. Hey, and ask when you have prepared a sermon on say if it's Colossians, what were some thoughts you had? What are some good things or my my senior pastor now is a prolific outliner. Uh, for his sermons, and he has shelves of every sermon outline he's probably ever preached. And many times when I know I'm preaching, I usually already have the passage, but I'll go in there and thumb through all his outlines. I ask him, hey, can I look in your library? And he's like, yeah, just take whatever you need, just put it back. But I can go through, and, look, and there's usually some nuggets, uh, either object lessons or some things that'll tie in or I hadn't thought about that I find in those things Um, that are very helpful and so being able to go and have that relationship and what you talked about that ceo type honestly for most who are in the chair two, there are some of those environments where you may not have access but for the for the normative church where you're a chair two guy or a youth guy or an education guy who's preaching regularly you're going to have some kind of access to your pastor don't don't keep him out of that process of your sermon. Maybe when you got it prepped, go in and say, hey, can I run this by you? What do you think? Yeah. Um, just kind of run through those notes. What do you think? Do I, am I missing something? And, and use their experience and expertise to help you in that process.
2: Yeah, and ask them for feedback. Ask them after you preach and maybe before you preach. Maybe like you said, read the sermon to them and say, what do you think? And then after you preach, ask for feedback. Just don't get offended. You know, when they tell you, well, that wasn't really very good, and I didn't understand your second point, and you came off really rude in your tone, you know, listen to that and say thank you and, you know, take it and receive it. One of the things that I've tried to do, uh, I've only been at
0: this particular church uh, a little less than two years. And so I even did this today. And maybe just if you are a senior pastor that happens to be listening to this, I think what Marcus said has been just tremendous and I, you know, making notes for myself, but I sent a text to our, uh, we have one other staff member and, um, I just said, Hey, here's what I'm preaching on Sunday. Uh, and I know he wants to pastor one day. And I said, man, give me your thoughts on the text. I'm, I'm working on the sermon now. I'd love to to hear what your thoughts are. And that's been a really good dynamic for us because it kind of, I wasn't always good at that. Um, and again, I, I have some people, Mark, kind of like yourself, that I hear and go, that's a great idea. I need to incorporate that. I need to do something with that. But yeah, I think there's a a real joy on the senior pastor side if you allow people into uh, that process of even building your own sermon to say, I'm thinking about preaching through the Gospel of Luke. That's what I'm preaching through right now. Hey, why don't you be ready around chapter five or six? Man, I'm I'm probably going to let you preach out of that. So uh, man, I'd love to hear some of that.
2: Well, you know, and one of the things that that we're doing here at Broadway, um, I meet with the pastors and we go through service planning. So we plan our Sunday morning service together, but we also read through the text and I'll tell them, this is what I'm going to be preaching on. This is, these are the points that I'm going to be making on Sunday. Um, You know, what are your thoughts? Do you have any questions? So in just investing that time in my guys, Number one, they know where we're at, so if they have to preach, they can just jump right into the series. They're not in the dark. Like, I don't know how he got that or where he got it, so what I do as a senior pastor is I let them into my study world, and I let them see this is kind of how I do it. This is my thought process, and so we do that. We're doing that right now on Thursdays, so like this 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 is a Thursday. So like this morning, we met together from nine to till 11. And, you know, it's just one of the things I do with these guys, trying to pour into them, uh, showing them this is what I do, because I want them to be ready if they need to preach and teach. And I don't want their teaching to be like this totally different genre of teaching or, you know, you know, I want them to see how I get what I get out of the Bible. So...
1: And it could be that there's some Sunday after Thursday, one of them still has to step in this weekend. We've even had it at our church where but we have two morning services. And between the two services, our senior pastor who was speaking that Sunday got sick and had to leave. And so even in the midst of a Sunday morning, we had to switch preachers and someone had to come in. So there's that That comes back to that planning and always being ready and being involved. Um, and here's a, a thing I think that we can remember. Most senior pastors, if you come and ask them, said, I'd like you to teach me how you do this. Th- that's a compliment to them. And most of them are going to be open to it, especially if you approach it from that perspective of, I want you to teach me how you do this because I like the way you do it mm-hmm. mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not you do or, or not like it, you know, but that's a the tool yeah. belt.
0: So. What would you say, Danny? It just becomes another tool in the tool belt, even if yep. you don't use it exactly. Uh, there's ways that my seminary professor taught me to preach that over the years I've gotten away from, but there's still elements I keep plugged into it, and I may hear Mark preach and go, ooh, I like how he does that. I, I may try to incorporate some of that in. So, uh, I mean, just great, great stuff um, that I think any Chair to leader listening to this today, I just cannot recommend taking notes on this podcast and uh being able to uh use this yourself and uh Mark I do have a question sort of off topic. Sometimes we like to throw curveball questions as we get ready to finish up. You were in Texas for a long time, 14 and 14 years and 2 months. 14 mm-hmm. years 2 months. So Memphis to Texas
2: back to Memphis, if you got to choose a barbecue, <laughs> which one you going with? Oh, this is easy. This is easy and it might surprise you. Texas brisket all day long. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yes. All our Memphis folks just uh, shut this off,
2: I think. No, (laughs) I mean, I was born and raised here, born at downtown Baptist Memorial Hospital in Memphis, and I've been to the Rendezvous, and they have the best ribs. Now, I'll tell you, Texas doesn't know how to do ribs, period. Texas does not know how to do ribs. But I'm going to say when it comes to barbecue, nothing beats a fall-off I mean, you, you can't even scoop it up. It just it just disintegrates brisket. And uh, I've got a good recipe for one, and you don't even have to grill it, believe it or not. It is incredible. So, uh, anyway, I'm a brisket guy So they guy converted now. you like while it. you Texas. In Texas I like it. Me. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> you, you may lose a little bit of your Memphis street cred. That's right. Uh, that's
2: that. right. <laughs> now, remember, Memphis has ribs. Texas has it's brisket. Has brisket. That's go. right. They're and you
0: know history. what we have? We have an amazing sponsor that Ben
2: is (laughs) going
0: to tell us
1: about. That's right. We've been talking about preaching and maybe you're wanting to work on your preaching and skills. We've got just the place for you to do that. CBC, Central Baptist College in Conway, Arkansas, has programs for you to help you develop your preaching and your ministry skills maybe you don't have time to leave where you are but they've got a degree program called the pace uh, degree completion program that you can do it's a proven in class hot hi- online or hybrid course format and they have multiple degrees that'll fit your busy schedule you can't quit where you're leaving maybe you want to stay in ministry but they've got this flexible format they've developed that helps adults and they've done it for over 20 years now earn their degree while they're working full-time to find out more about it go to cbc.edu online you can apply for admission someone will uh, schedule a virtual meeting with you and they'll help you in the process of improving your ministry squil- skills so go to cbc.edu online we're thankful for them as our sponsor and what they taught all of us so mark thanks for joining us uh today it's been enjoyable Thank you,
2: mark yes sir we'll,
1: we'll have to have you back sometime uh if somebody wanted to connect with you what's the best way to do that
2: well, I mean, uh, I guess the cool thing is to have a Twitter handle, right? That's so, it. So uh, I do have two Twitter accounts. Uh, one is fake and one is real. I will not tell you my fake one uh, because that way I can keep up my sarcastic cynicism. But uh, I have a real account, and it's uh, Mark C. Livingston at, what is that, twitter.com? At I guess.
1: Twitter. Uh, that's just at Mark C. Livingston on Twitter. At Mark C. Livingston
2: on Twitter or Facebook. Or you can go to Broadway Church dot o-r-g broadway church dot like broadway just like the street in new york um, broadway church and we do um we do sing every sunday morning on broadway that song on broadway we all start <laughs> off with that it's wonderful just praises the lord
1: great thanks for joining us today thank mark. you mark yes thanks, sir
2: guys
0: You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.